1: Recapping an amazing Super Bowl 57, that is what we're doing today on Rotovis Overtime. Sean, we talked recently about how we really just wanted this game to live up to, you know, the kind of post-match kind of expectations, I guess we'll say. Obviously, you're a Kansas City Chiefs supporter, so you're also hoping for it to live up to the expectations, but also the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. And and that is what happened as they run out victors 38-35, and what I think it's right up there anyway if it's not the best Super Bowl in recent memory in terms of both teams playing to pretty much their fullest potential throughout the majority of this contest good coaching all things around and uh, I I thought this was just absolutely fantastic Sean some of our recent shows the title last week we had get ready for the greatest Super Bowl of all time I'm going to ask you in a second if we met that marker show before that Sean previewing the previous round of playoff games was the legend of Patrick Mahomes. We're going to talk about that on today's show because that legend has continued to evolve. And then we had Travis Kelsey as an all-time great, was the week before that. So <laughs> Travis Kelsey continuing his march in those postseason touchdown rankings as he is into second place, I believe, all time now. But just phenomenal stuff from the Kansas City Chiefs side of things. Andy Reid getting another Super Bowl, somebody who for so much of his career, I think, was underappreciated for what he had done with the philadelphia eagles ironically but now has two super bowl victories with the kansas city chiefs putting himself into that upper echelon of coaches in nfl history but sean the listeners want to know how you're feeling how you enjoyed this one 10 point deficit at halftime the eagles kicking this one off in terms of the the chiefs deferring given the eagles the ball the eagles march down score a touchdown chiefs answer that straight away but in that second quarter it was 17 points to seven in favor of the Eagles heading in at halftime but getting the ball back but Sean the question I have for you is getting the ball back but as that second half finishes up Patrick Mahomes is looking very uncomfortable after a twist of that ankle and uh, we all know how that was affected heading into the Super Bowl how are you feeling throughout this game but I think the first point I think that It may have felt like it was really slipping away was as we entered halftime 10 down with serious question marks at that point about how Patrick Mahomes would continue in this match. And one other thing, sorry, congratulations to your Kansas City Chiefs. You said so many things there that, you
2: know, could be a a whole show in and of themselves. It really could, yeah. It was tough there at halftime. And when you look at that, and you look at some of the win probability stuff where... The Eagles go to, in the 75% range of multiple points, sort of late in the second, early in the third quarters. But in many ways, it felt even more than that, right? Because you have an all-time great Philadelphia Eagles team that is doing everything that they need to do. They're moving the ball at will. They're executing in this elite passing game. They're actually getting those stops that they needed to get On the Chiefs. And one of the things about the Mahomes injury is they do go down and score right away to start the game to tie it at seven. But after that, the Eagles had made some stops and they had gotten Mahomes a little bit uncomfortable. We know that the Eagles had multiple elements to their defense and especially their pass defense that makes them such a difficult matchup. The Chiefs have been forced to punt on short drives a couple of times, and that's before the injury. And the thing about it was the Mahomes looked good. I mean, he looked very different than the AFC Championship game. And that was one of the things that Ben and I talked about on Stealing Bananas, is that if he looks good, then the Chiefs are the favorites. Now, they're very small favorites because this Eagles team is fantastic. But if he looks more or less normal, then, you know, you probably, instead of a one and a half points to the Eagles, you're probably one and a half points to the Chiefs. And he looked that way, and the Chiefs are still getting dominated, right? And they're getting dominated. The time of possession, the total plays run, The fact that the Chiefs would be completely blown out if not for the defensive touchdown. They're counting on this dynamic where you can score last in the first half, get the ball back in the second half, score again, and really use that to your advantage to separate yourself. Instead, they're stopped, and the Eagles tack on another field goal. So they're up to 24-14 at halftime. You have an injured player, and you know you're going to be looking at a fairly limited number of possessions because of the way the Eagles play. When you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Andy Reid, obviously you have a Chiefs team overall that has demonstrated time and time again that they're going to compete. The game isn't over, but, I mean, it's as close to over as you're going to ever get at halftime of a Kansas City Chiefs game. So from that point, and the thing about it is, I mean, I've read terms used like the Eagles collapse and, and different things to that effect and you almost have to term it that way a little bit like as you know i can This jayhawks fan you know you think back to the ncaa championship game last season and they come from the largest halftime deficit to win and you get the north carolina collapse types of stories but but even more in this game than in that in both cases it just really was a matter of one elite team counter-punching and hitting really hard at a key moment and bringing the game back together. The Eagles didn't do anything wrong in this game other than perhaps punning on their own end of the field. I mean, if the only thing that you did wrong was maybe not go for it in a crazy situation, then, I mean, sometimes the opposing team is just going to beat you. And so, yeah, I mean, we took a little bit of a breather. I mean, normally probably wouldn't watch the halftime show, but with the Chiefs getting... Blown out, but again, deep, deep trouble. You know, watch a little bit of Rihanna. You go back in, and then the Chiefs look, I wouldn't say completely different because, again, I mean, they went out and, and scored to start the game. You know, well, one of the storylines in this game was that Andy Reid had more plays in than ever before. We saw the value of that as you go through that first drive, as you go through the second half. This really was one of the all time great games it it's never really the case because you go back and just matchups are a little bit different the way the ball bounds on a key play is a little bit different but when you talk about Kansas City winning the Super Bowl this Eagles team that they defeated far better than the Buccaneers team they lost to a couple years ago far better than the San Francisco 49ers team that they also had to come from double digits down in the second half to defeat it also feels like both of these teams were far better than the Rams and the Bengals in last year's Super Bowl. And that's not even really a criticism at all of those teams who were fantastic in their own right, played a good Super Bowl, have unique things that both of those teams do well. And yet again, I'm this, I don't think there's any way to look at this as one of the best Super Bowls ever played between two of the greatest teams of all time.
1: I think absolutely. The one thing I took away from this game and watching it live and watching it since is the execution from both teams was just exceptional in terms of to be in such a high pressure environment against such exceptional you know, competition in your opposition and to be able to do exactly what you have to do under those scenarios is obviously very, very tough to do. And both teams throughout this game managed to do that in this again even we're going to go kind of through the game sean and go through the key points but you mentioned the eagles and how they were doing but like Jalen Hurts is in a situation where when they do go behind then to the chiefs in the fourth quarter if they're eight points behind they need to go get that touchdown get a two-point conversion he marches them down the field, ties it at 35 35 there's five minutes left at that point he never gets the ball back just even from that po- point of view they execute to the highest level to get the eight points off the touchdown and two-point conversion but then the level of execution from the Chiefs' side then for what they did. And I'm I'm wondering, I think we should go through the game just in the key points, it, but the one part that I want to put up out of the, the play of the entire game, I think, was Jarek McKinnon and his heads-up play there to, uh, to stay in bounds and also to not go in for the touchdown because that is the difference in the Eagles having that chance to get back down the field with plenty of time left on the clock versus... Uh, what actually did happen so both on that one I thought the the Eagles should let him in and also for him to then to not go in I thought that was just exceptional again and that high moment when you have a chance to to get in in the Super Bowl for that touchdown I had quite a few wagers on uh, yesterday that involved a Jarek McKinnon anytime touchdown so but I just think the heads-up play that that involved was uh, exceptional but Sean going through it a little bit in the order of the game the play calling everything that went down and there's so many things like you mentioned there's so many talking points coming out of this of where you could go but when we look at the game you mentioned the defensive touchdown for the Chiefs there was two things in that first half that really stood out and at the time I really thought that the the Chiefs shouldn't have went for the field goal prior to the missing the field goal where they they hit the upright what was your thoughts on the Chiefs at that point where they go for the the field goal it is missed by by Butker and then after that then it's a a situation where they get a a touchdown pretty much uh and quick you know two and a half minutes from the the eagles at that point did you think that's a situation there where where you really have to go for it against an eagles team who you know we're going to consistently go for it on four downs that was at the point a, a fourth and three from the the eagles 24.
2: You never know what score is going to be the one that helps allow you to win but it does seem a lot more unlikely that it's going to be this field goal here. I'll explain a little bit more why at the very end as well. But the issue here when you the Kansas City Chiefs, and you know that the Eagles are going to dominate clock in all likelihood, and you know that the Philadelphia Eagles, the thing that they bring to the table is being almost unstoppable in short yardage. You do want to get that early lead. You're thinking we're going to get the ball to start the second half. This can all be part of us getting the small edges to win the game here. And hopefully at that point, they're thinking that Harrison Butker is more or less over some of the injuries and some of the struggles that they have had throughout the course of the season. And he's going to knock that down. But as soon as he makes contact, you're thinking, well, you know, (laughs) you have the instant hindsight of they should have obviously gone for it because even before you can tell for sure that it's going to go off and hit the upright and miss, you're thinking,
1: I mean, if he doesn't completely nail
2: that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's the wrong choice. It's interesting because right before that, the Chiefs had more or less their only bad play of the game in the drives where they looked comfortable and confident. Now, obviously, they have those two punts that immediately follow. They went through this stretch here where the Eagles defense did an excellent job of limiting Mahomes, taking away the different options. It almost appeared like perhaps the Chiefs were saving some of the plays that they had dialed up for this game for maybe higher leverage moments, or perhaps just didn't work there. But that third and short play was more or less bottled up in the way it was supposed to release the receivers coming out there. None of that ever materialized. Mahomes is trying to decide between scrambling and dumping it off to another receiver who's not going to make the first down. Fortson, even if he catches that, is going to get tackled. So the fact that you have just failed on the previous play perhaps pushes you a little bit in that direction. But on both sides of this, when you when teams were stopped for field goals and the Chiefs defense, I mean, they didn't get a lot of stops in this game, but they got the key stops. They got the return touchdown. That's all you can expect to get. And when you're able to get those, they make a huge difference. The Chiefs here, I mean, you, you kind of like to see them go for it because you don't want to be at the end of the game thinking that we lost more or less because we didn't have enough guts. and. There are so many ways this game could have played out to where you look back and you think that was the place where the Chiefs lost it. I think if you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Andy Reid as a play caller, you have to go.
1: I thought they had to go in the moment and based on what we've seen throughout the season with some of Butker's struggles and what the injuries and what the the short yardage with the three yards and again, with it being at the Eagles 24, it's not a case that you're turning it over you know, in your own half or at, at the halfway line. And And then the other part of it is it did feel like in this game the way it started off touchdown touchdown it was going to be a situation where you needed to maximize every opportunity to get in the end zone and that was kind of what played out throughout the rest of the game but at that point in time i was surprised the chiefs didn't go for it then it is a situation we get the the touchdown for the eagles leads to another punt by the uh by the, the chiefs and then we get the fumble touchdown play which was obviously massive in the context of this game and I do want to obviously go through some of the statistics for each individual player, but for Jalen Hurts in this, I thought he was exceptional. That's the only kind of blemish for him in the game, which turned out to be just obviously gigantic in the context of things. But he he has 304 passing yards, one touchdown. He also has 15 carries for 70 yards and three touchdowns. Just, again, one of the probably all-time losing quarterback performances in the Super Bowl from what he was able to do. But he responds to that. And I know, Sean, we talked on some of the previous shows about maybe lacking poise in some of the situations in the previous playoff games where he may have looked a little bit rusty but i thought in this again after that goes straight down the field leads the team to a touchdown i thought he just showed incredible leadership multiple different times in this one there was adversity potentially starting to creep in but then you mentioned after that touchdown it's another punt by the the chiefs and then it's a field goal just as time is kind of ticking down here in the first half of the game that second quarter and it's a 10 point lead then for the Eagles at halftime. So we talked through right there before that punt for the Chiefs. That's when we get the the injury again to Patrick Mahomes. Lots of concern there. They come out, they start the, the third quarter with the touchdown, 10 plays, 75 yards, and the touchdown puts them within three points. Eagles then have to settle for a field goal. Then we get another touchdown, which puts the Chiefs up by one point. There was one other consideration when we get to the the touchdown that puts them into the lead. And gives them that eight point advantage. They they go for the the point after there, and that gives them obviously the seven points for that. Was there a thought in your mind there that they could have potentially went for the the two point conversion there to try and make it a, a two score game?
2: Yeah, I was telling everybody I was watching with, you've got to go for two here. You've got to go for two. I here. was thinking we when, know that- when
1: I was seeing it, I was thinking Sean is watching this and he is definitely telling everyone this there that this is a an analytical play here. Let's get the two points.
2: It, it just does so many things for you. It creates a two-possession game. You don't risk the fact that Bucker could very easily just miss the, the regular conversion. And you know that once you go up eight, that the Eagles are going to go down and score and tie. Now, you say you know. One of the things that happened in this game, you mentioned the fumble and the defensive touchdown. Jalen Hurts ran effectively in this game, but other than... His specific runs, and other than the short yardage runs, which Chief's done a great job there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the NFL does with some of the rules. I don't necessarily think that they want offensive players pushing on the back of other offensive players. Aesthetically, it's not great. It's also not great from a safety perspective. You've got these plays that don't end, and defenders and offensive players launching themselves into the scrum. Dangerous plays as well. We'll see kind of way that goes. With the, with the, with the way that the rules are now, I mean, this is just masterful from the Eagles. The, I mean, the Chiefs had no way to stop these plays. But other than those plays, the Chiefs' defense came through, right? And they put so much pressure on Hurts. He sacked a couple of times. They forced that fumble. And they also completely bottle up the philadelphia eagles elite running game which did cause some problems for the eagles from a play calling perspective now when i say cause problems they're very small problems but in a game where the win and the loss is on such a razor's edge those small problems were what allowed kansas city to win and you look at that two-point conversion and the chiefs are there i mean they had that play completely walled off and then they don't make it and Jalen Hurts fights his way. And again, just another great play that Hurts made. I think an excellent play call from the Kansas City Chiefs defensive coordinator. These teams were so well prepared for this game. You mentioned the execution. Even on a play like this where the Chiefs execute perfectly, then you get just an outstanding physical play to defeat what the Chiefs have done from an execution standpoint. Again, you just look play after play after play, and both teams just at the very highest level this was such a cool game but you know that jalen hurts is going to go score he's going to tie the game up and then the fact that you didn't go for two it there's always that possibility as well that if you end up going for two yourself and miss and so you're up seven and then the eagle score that they go for two and go ahead of you i think that's unlikely though it's just a much better dynamic in terms of the various scenarios that could play out as the game then continues if the chiefs themselves go for two and try and go up nine
1: yeah the, the only downside potential there for the team going for two is the one that you mentioned there is if the eagles do score and then go for two the likelihood of them then moving up the field and scoring and it being a situation that you're not getting the ball back. And we've talked about this a few times throughout the season where when the team knows what they have to do. So in that situation, the Eagles have to go up and score. They have to go for two. There's no question about it. They have to do it there. We see sometimes if a team is three behind, they're kind of going down the field and they're thinking we're going to settle for a field goal here. If we don't get the touchdown, they don't push it as much as if they're four points behind or five points behind where they're trying to get into the end zone. And I think that that would have been another kind of example of that. I I as gutsy as things you can do in a super bowl i think a two-point conversion to try and win there may be a little bit more when you only need to to go for the point to to level things from the other perspective of trying to tie it rather than to give yourself that advantage from the what the chiefs could have done there
0: hey what's up listeners it's curtis patrick from the rotoviz fantasy football podcast And now that you've taken your fantasy game to the next level, it's time to take your sports viewing experience to the next level too. Epson just hooked me up with this new Epic Vision Ultra LS 800 laser projector, including their optional 120 inch silver flex screen. It's an absolute game changer with an Epic 120 inch picture. It's twice the size of an 85 inch TV with a 4k pro UHD picture this big, I can evaluate plays and prospect game film like never before. Even my kids are as pumped for game day as I am. Go check it out by visiting epson.com slash rotoviz. And like Epson says, bring the sportsbook experience home. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: The game, obviously, Sean, continues out. This really felt trouted like the last team with the ball was going to to win. And, and not obviously that didn't happen. The Eagles did have the ball last, but they had eight seconds left to try and get, a, get into the, the end zone. So I think that just, again, back to the execution, we're into the situation now where we have Patrick Mahomes has the injury, comes out after halftime, whatever the medical staff had to do to get him out there, has a number of big plays in this, including the long rush to get them in to scoring position. We also have plays, Sean, at this point, made by a number of kind of peripheral pieces throughout the season. Players we have talked a lot about on the show, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, both stepping up and getting into the end zone, obviously didn't have a huge amount of plays that they were involved in, but involved in the keyest of key plays. Both of those, again, exceptional play calling from the Kansas City Chiefs, oh, wide open, easy walking touchdowns. Exactly what you're trying to scheme in those situations, but the other play, Sean, that was huge is the the 65 yard punt return by Kadarius Tony. It is the longest punt return in Super Bowl history. Just again, all three phases of the game, the execution to to be able to to get to that position, uh, again, just superb. So, two players that we've talked about, Sean Skymore and Kadarius Tony stepping up in the biggest moment for the, the Chiefs. You had talked with Ben previously about Tony pe- possibly being a, a key piece to this game. Probably not in the exact way that we were thinking heading in with the, the way he returned this this punt, but a, a major, major play. What was your thoughts on those two players? And, and I guess how the ball was spread around throughout the, the Chiefs as a whole. This, to me, for Patrick Mahomes throughout the game, and I did mention this to the people I was watching with a number of times, this felt very... Tom Brady, Patriots, You know, a lot of being able to call the right plays, get in and out of the right plays, take what the opposition was giving you, and then being able to execute again in those key moments and and get those touchdowns when when you have those opportunities. I don't know, for you, did it feel something like that? It felt very much like what he learned maybe in the last two, the Buccaneers, like you mentioned that this team here and the, the Eagles is a better team than that Buccaneers team. I think we with the ankle injury, with how he had to play. Again, it's seeing the growth of Mahomes as a as a quarterback and his game overall. So he has all that raw natural ability, but now he is pairing that up with the you know, the veteran savvy of of how to manage the game as well here.
2: And the other element is just that once you don't have a Tyreek Hill, it frees you up to more or less do whatever you want. Then you had this at least mild disconnect between Hill who wanted to be used the way he was used this year with the Dolphins and the Chiefs who want to be able to exploit all the matchups. The thing that here is so cool is that this is a full team win for the Chiefs and it's a full team run to the Super Bowl, where you have MVS with the big game against the Bengals in the AFC championship. And then he has only one target in this game and appears to do a pretty poor job in terms of his route on that target, we flip entirely back to this being a Juju Smith-Schuster game, where for one of the first times in a recent stretch, Juju is the guy. He leads the team with nine targets that's far and away the most. One of the things that appeared to happen in this game is that the Eagles go into halftime. And despite having been so successful in the first half, you almost get the sense that they said, you know, let's make sure... We don't let Travis Kelsey beat us in the second half. That almost might have been the thing that opened the rest of these plays up, because you have Juju with the very solid underneath role, which is what they wanted from him for the season. If they, if you told him that they were going to get nine targets, seven receptions, fifty-three yards in the Super Bowl, then they're like, yeah, that's exactly what we're hoping for from this signing. Obviously, Kelsey has the nice game that keeps it minute early, but then the target distribution. And the rest of these guys is just, you so minimal, right? You got the three targets to Jared McKinnon, you got the two targets to Justin Watson, and then one to Noah Gray, one to Kadarius Tony, one to Sky Moore, the aforementioned one to MVS, and then one to Fortson. These, these guys were just involved on those specific plays that helped them win this game. You probably don't look at it when the season starts and say that if you get know, one catch from Tony, one catch from Moore. And again, Tony not on the roster even at that point. But you're talking about the guys who really are the playmakers as you go down the stretch. If they're that uninvolved, can the Chiefs win? But it was just such a balanced attack. And you mentioned Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this is a game here where he throws for the three touchdowns. He cements all the different things with his legacy. But there were not a lot of examples of the crazy arm talent that we tend to see from him in this game. Instead, it's just the perfect job of executing the plays that they needed to execute to beat this specific defense in the most important game of the season. And now we have a really interesting off season where Juju, MVS, do they keep these guys? Kadarius, Tony, and Sky. More thinking, I mean, they made the biggest plays to help a team win the Super Bowl, but they weren't involved in the game plan at all, basically. Like, are they going to take the next step? Do they have confidence that either of those players can be more than a gadget guy. I mean, there's a long time until we have to answer all those questions, but from a fantasy football perspective, those are very interesting. We have FFPC drafts going on. We have underdog drafts going on. You want to have exposure to this team, but they are presenting you with a pretty tricky calculation, an interesting puzzle to solve in that the targets here beyond Travis Kelsey are going to be very hard to predict for the 2023 Kansas City Chiefs
1: yeah and and circling back again that's what even before this game and throughout the season those times where i was thinking through the patriots analogy of like you know you've brady you have gronk and you have bill belichick and in this situation you have kelsey you have mahomes and you have andy reid but you we have seen and and same with the running back position in casey you know with new england for all those years it was just the rotation of players coming in and you know it was all about execution and that's why i felt it a few times here a play sean that i thought could have really changed how this game ended up was an incomplete pass for the can or for the Philadelphia Eagles and it it came kind of in the, the the middle of the second quarter. It's a situation where it's a deep pass to Quez Watkins who I think really should make a play which would have ended up with you know the Eagles inside the red zone and, and really good situation. They settled for a punt on that. That was after the second half opening touchdown for the Kansas City Chiefs they settled for that field goal and from that point forward that's when the the chiefs really start to take advantage did you see that as a key play at the time um were you also surprised at the the failed execution of it we've used execution a lot in this podcast but listen alone
2: that's one that when you look back at the missed opportunities there were so few in this game but that one does stand out and unfortunately quez is going to have to i say live with that one it you're going to have those flashbacks at different moments going forward and wish that you had made that play. It was a perfectly schemed play. It was a perfectly thrown ball. It is a difficult catch. Anytime that you have your arms fully extended on a deep pass, you can obviously not make that play. It's not like that is going to be automatic.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: But, I mean, he's going to think he should have made it, and that would help them. Now, the thing that happens there is immediately after that, they get the miracle play from Dallas Goddard. I definitely wanted that play to be incomplete and so I spent a lot of time like slow-mo frame by frame forwarding through and moving back to try and
1: there's a lot of talk at times of Jalen Hurts and his throwing ability that was an exceptional throw by Hurts and a high pressure high leverage situation to to complete that and it, it reminded me quite I'm doing a lot of <laughs> looking back at other games but Julio Jones in the game that they obviously lose to the Patriots in that Super Bowl reminded me a lot of that where it's like just over the, the reach of the defensive back and, and just gets inbounds. But it was inbounds, Sean. You're happy that it was inbounds at the end of your frame-by-frame analysis? Yeah,
2: you, uh, it's so difficult to actually tell where he has control. I don't think there's any way to do it from at least the footage that we were shown. And if it's a rule to catch, it's a catch. You can't, you can't overturn it if you can't tell where he has the ball. If you give him control at the point that they obviously did, then his foot is still touching the ground. It is a catch. I thought they did a fantastic job with the officiating in this game. They had a couple of plays that were obviously controversial because they're going to be controversial regardless of how they turn out. But, I mean, they make the correct call on that one. It was a little bit odd because the Devontae Smith big play down the sideline was very clearly not a catch. And that did get overturned. But the Booth and Mike Pereira didn't seem like they even bothered to watch that (laughs) Play and notice the fact that it was very obviously not a catch. Uh, the potential for the Chiefs to have a second defensive touchdown was an incredibly close play that I also did plenty of, of forwarding and backwarding on because I wanted to be sure. And again, that's the correct call. They did a great job with it. I mean, he was a fraction from getting the third foot down. That's one where, in terms of what's actually a catch, in terms of catching the ball and being ready for the defensive contact, I mean, that's a catch. But the way that the rules work, it's very clearly not a catch and the rules are in place to make it clear, to remove the judgment call. And so again, everything went exactly how it is supposed to in that situation. The officials were all over this game. They did a very nice job.
1: Yeah, we'll save, I'm sure there's people listening and we haven't mentioned a certain aspect of the officiating And thus far, we'll save that for another couple of couple of minutes down the line. I do want to mention, Sean, some of the performances we did talk in the previous shows. And I know we're focusing quite heavily on the, the winning victorious Kansas City Chiefs side here but from the other perspective we have Devontae Smith at 100 yards on seven receptions nine targets for him in this but AJ Brown was the player that we talked about hoping that he would have an impact he did have an impact but unfortunately for him was on the the losing side and obviously if we're looking at this from a historical perspective we're going to be looking at what Travis Kelsey did what Patrick Mahomes did I mentioned that Jalen Hurts on the losing end off this I'm sure it's going to you know be very tough for him at the moment but when he looks back he should be incredibly proud of the performance he put in but Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, massive parts of that performance. The deep touchdown, 45-yard touchdown to A.J. Brown. Really nice play. Maybe not hurts best throw, but a really nice adjustment and uh, catch for A.J. Brown there. And his biggest performance of the last number of weeks. Devontae Smith as well. Sean, his longest reception here, 45 yards as well. So uh, they both had really nice performances in this contest. Moving on then Sean, to the final moments of the game, before I get to ask you about the ref potential call that I was mentioning a moment ago, when you have a situation here where McKinnon does the heads up play, that's going to help to burn time off the clock. They're at the one yard line. Is there any point, or is there any thought there going through your head of let's not settle for the field goal? Like we've we've was- we've been able to drag their timeouts out of the game. We've been able to waste more time off the clock let's punch it in here and get the touchdown and, and see how they do going in the opposite direction. Or are you hundred percent on board with let's run this down and just try and take the field goal and get the one here. What's your thoughts on that?
2: I think you have to take the field goal and get the victory. It's nerve wracking, even though again, apples and oranges, you're close enough that anything other than a total shank or a missed snap, right? A missed snap a missed hold. And suddenly it has, it has to
1: be chaos. It has to be you a know, fumbled snap that then leads to recovery for a touchdown going in the opposite direction kind of thing. A bit like we actually seen. I swear to say that doesn't happen very often, but we've seen that from the Bengals this year. Not that long. Yeah, ago. well,
2: anything other than just a, a, a straightforward win at that point is a massive blow to the Chiefs. Because you have the game one. Among the things that the Chiefs did well in this game was you saw them play extremely hard to the whistle, and then... Their defensive players you know it was almost like the strings were cut i mean they instantly pulled off of everybody so you had no chance for any type of penalty that was huge for them because you can't afford to give any extra opportunity you have that play at the end with mckinnon you got the two weeks to prepare i mean obviously it was one where because he allowed himself to get so close you're almost thinking like is he actually going to go in but then you see him slide down I mean, everything about this is just so perfectly prepared from the Chiefs side. I think that fans of the Chiefs, fans of good football, love to see that because, again, they just seem like they had every scenario covered, at least the ones that came up in this game. They had covered and they executed perfectly. It's got to be a field goal for the win. There's no way you can let Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith have the ball in. You know, they go and score a touchdown in the last minute. They're going to go for two and win the game. You just you, you have zero time left on the clock. It has to be the final score wins. And that's one of the reasons why I almost felt like the Eagles making the two-point conversion was a key play for Kansas City. Because once you have the game tied again, you have to affirmatively go make a play to win. And you're thinking we're going to run the clock out and we're going to score. Whereas if you're up by two, then you get into this situation where we're trying to run the clock, but maybe we have to punt immediately. And if they score, we come back and score at the end. Obviously the Eagles saw how that doesn't necessarily work. You know, anybody knows it doesn't necessarily work, but there are a lot of ways that you could think, well, we could still win if we get stopped, if you're up by two. And that is sort of the death trap to fall into. If you get the stop, you're up two, and you don't score yourself, the Eagles are going to score either with a field goal or a touch, some other way to win that game. And so for the Chiefs to be forced to score, I really liked that. They obviously do go down and do it, and it's just unfortunate that it is marred by a penalty. Again, just a very clear penalty, but that's the, the, the reason it's controversial and the reason it's sad is not because it's not the right call, but because that's not the way that you want it to end. I mean, you want it to end with a player making... A beautiful play to be part of the story, and this it's a terrible from a story perspective and from a memory perspective. It's a terrible way for the game to end, and I think that's what everybody is disappointed about. You just want to see this end on a touchdown or a stop, and the Eagles going the other way, one way or the other. You just you don't want it to end on what did happen. I mean, I, we say the Chiefs had to just run the clock out and kick the field goal. That's what had to happen, but. It's also not what you wanted to have happen from a story perspective. And there's a huge sigh of relief from a Chiefs fan when it does happen. But, I mean, basically, even for Chiefs fans, that you would have preferred just for that pass to be complete. And that's the thing about it, too, is that Juju beats the defender. Bradbury, you know, very honestly said, you know, I interfered with him and just hoped it wouldn't get called. You know, the reason that these penalties are in the game is that if you don't have them, then you have – the new England Patriots in the first decade of this century where they just hold on every play it, that's, that's not good football. That's not what we want to see. It's just, it's very sad that it had to end that way because from a narrative perspective and from a beauty of the game perspective, from a perfect battle between two of the all time greats, everything had more or less been perfect until that point. And it's just, it's very unfortunate
1: yeah and I I do think that was the final thing I was going to get to is the penalty there's obviously a lot of discussion about it online and you know and and the coverage of the game since it obviously occurred I do think it's it's a penalty it's a soft penalty but I I think it is a penalty I think it also stands out in this game because it was such a a clean game overall you mentioned how the Chiefs defenders were kind of once once the whistle was blown they were getting out of there it was very well done from both sides also for the you know a player to come out after the game and say look I I was hoping I was going to get away with it and and a lot of the time that is the 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 part I think where people think it's controversial is a lot of the time you will get away with that but it is something that is quite subjective and depending on which way the officials are looking at it it could could be given me you may get away with it but I think it's one that you may get away with that is a penalty rather than it isn't a penalty but you even mentioned there Sean another note is that was the third net Philadelphia 15 yard line one fifty four left in the fourth quarter so if that was complete which I don't think it had really a chance to get completed I think that's another reason people are saying well you know maybe it could have been let go but I also think that it wasn't called pass interference I think that's why it's not pass interference it's defensive holding rather than that because of the way the play actually also plays out but um that leads to having the ball 154 left at the Eagles 11 with um course down obviously so if if he did catch that we're into a situation where it's 154 maybe 148 after the the kickoff and everything that the eagles have to try and tie this up again so we would have been into another exceptional finish to the game but there's really it's when it's a game like soccer for example as well people always say it's really tough to lose on penalty shootouts if this had went to overtime which i was hoping for at a point in the game again Tough for somebody to lose, however, it happens. There's really no way for a game like this to end that everyone's going to be satisfied with the conclusion. That's part of sports. But when we get then, we get that exceptional play that I've mentioned a few times the McKinnon play. They get the field goal, they get the win 38 35. Just a, a truly exceptional game. Two exceptional teams. And uh, the Chiefs continue to add to the legacy for the players that we've mentioned a number of times. Sean, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you? want to add in the one thing i was going to say to you is after the game travis kelsey who cuts these like i'm a wrestling fan he basically cuts these extraordinary promos after games where he goes after somebody after this one sean he goes after everybody basically and says nobody believed in him then after the tyree kill trade basically everyone thought that this team was a rebuilding team they're they're really going nowhere sean i remember the immediate reaction podcast that you did with ben gretz for stealing bananas maybe like 40 minutes after the trade happened where you thought that it would make this team better and give them more ways to win. He obviously didn't listen to that episode of uh, Stealing Bananas, Sean. He, he hasn't fired that one away when nobody was thinking they could win this. What do you think?
2: So you're saying that the one thing Travis Kelsey could have done better this season was to win the Super Bowl and then say stealing
1: bananas was right. Yeah, oh, that would have been really good. We would have, that would have been great for the brand. <laughs> but yeah, uh, awesome. Uh, awesome i just i enjoy the way that he he acts. He also has a fantastic podcast with his brother who was also in in the super bowl here so uh yeah, i'm sure they'll have some stories to tell after coming out of this one but any final thoughts sean on the, the super bowl um as we look into the off season now with lots to, to think about and discuss yeah I, I can't wait for
2: the dynasty drafts and trades that you and i are going to do can't wait for the ffpc and underdog drafts we're heading towards prospect season and the road rookie guide will be out i wrote a little piece last week talking about some of my fl- favorite slightly more below the radar players and they're still extremely important guys who are going to make an impact in 2023 that's one of the reasons you write about them but talking a little bit about some of the things we've done in the guide recently that has been such a big deal Colin, the other thing that's kind of come out In the last week and gotten a little more notice as it does look like sam howell is going to be the guy in washington he was really one of the main focal points of last year's guide most of our listeners and readers are massively overweight on howell and because of the importance of quarterbacks and superflex i mean that could be a big deal for a long time so i'm not saying that we're going to be perfect in the guide obviously we've had projections and picks there that weren't perfect everybody makes mistakes. It's impossible to get the draft perfect, but I'm just so excited about the hits that we have had and the way that that's allowed readers of the guide to benefit in terms of their specific dynasty teams. That's what we're looking to do. Obviously, if you're looking at it from a redraft perspective, lots of great nuggets in there as well. So I'm excited for that. But Callum, Super Bowl 57, the perfect way to end a season that had some faults at different points. I think that the dynamism of these two teams very different templates, but in many ways, the same template in that you're going to be good on offense. You're going to be good on defense. You're going to build a power team. You're not going to go out there and say, we're going to be good at this little niche thing. And somehow we're hoping to win the Super Bowl by a miracle. These teams that are building their brand and their philosophy on getting lucky. I think that's going to be unsustainable. You love the fact that Two teams like this played in the Super Bowl. You love the fact that the Super Bowl was awesome. I think that this can't help but create better football in the future. I think that we're in the golden age of young QBs with Mahomes and Hertz and Burrow and Josh Allen. The future is so bright. Fantasy football is going to be so much fun going forward. I can't wait for another fantastic season.
1: Yeah. And, and to finish it off with these couple of like really awesome playoff games and as the season went along the scoring kind of improved the the you know the games got a little bit more exciting and i I do think that finishing it off on such a high note with a really high scoring super bowl kind of has me feeling really revigorated you know (laughs) getting ready to head into the season so going to be exciting you mentioned the guide as well the link to that will be in today's show notes you can check that out if you are interested i've mentioned this on a couple of shows sean i've been blown away by the amount of people who have reached out to say that they have purchase teams over at the ffpc since we started the the dynasty series check that out if you haven't checked it out already extra dynasty podcast coming once a week the dynasty reanimator series but yeah fantastic we're going to be talking about some of those teams over the, the course of the the next couple of weeks and different questions coming in for the new basketball contest that sean hinted at there and also for some of those dynasty teams so if you have any questions you want to hear some Offseason thoughts on send them my way on twitter at Overtime Ireland, or you can email them at overtimeireland at gmail.com i'll try and get as many of them squeezed into the show over the next couple of months but really fun to recap the super bowl sean awesome uh game and congratulations again to you another super bowl for patrick mahomes i feel like sean there's a chance that over the next couple of years we may be seeing that the kansas city chiefs have continued to grow the grow the legacy i guess of the the star names around that building but until we are back later in the week my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to marlin my co-host is sean siegel check out sean's work up on rotavis.com and until we are back with the next one have a good one